So with that being said, let's go ahead and bow our hearts in prayer and get ready to continue our worship by studying the word of God. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for who you are, what you are to us. Lord, we thank you for all the prayers you've answered, all the prayers you will answer according to your will and according to your power, according to your grace, Lord. We thank you for every servant on this campus tonight. We pray that you'll empower every servant by your spirit and may your joy and love overflow the hearts of those who are serving and those who are here learning and Lord, we're all learning whether we're teaching or not. And so I pray that you'll help us all to have open and receptive hearts to the work of your spirit and to your word. I pray, Father, for the gift of teaching. I pray, Father, that I would decrease and you increase, that you would be glorified. Lord, we pray, Lord, that that your word just just be open unto us. Help us to apply it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in Romans chapter 8, our last study in the letter or in chapter 8 of the letter to the Romans. And so we're going to cover uh, verses 31 through 39. I just want to start by sharing a a very short, short uh, testimony, of course, because as we look at this title, full coverage Many of us think of car insurance or cars or car accidents. And so one testimony that I have is that, of course, unfortunately, I've been in at least one car accident in which I was the driver. But I've been in more than one accident overall. And in a couple of those accidents, one in which I was the driver and another one when I wasn't the driver, both those cars or vehicles got totaled. And so those of you who have experienced or you've been through a car accident, you, you know that it's a scary thing to deal with. But sometimes even scarier than that. And praise God, we made it through it. As you can see, I'm standing here today, and many of you are standing here from your accidents. But along with those accidents, even, even scarier sometimes, or even crazier, is the car insurance situation, the back and forth, the, the things you thought you had but didn't have. And so, of course, as I mentioned earlier, the title of our lesson is Full Coverage. And I do want to start with that earthly example by, by talking about car insurance. And then we're going to contrast that with the insurance that we have spiritually from God. Because in in regard to car insurance, as I did my research, I found that there's really no such thing as full coverage for your car. Although that term is thrown out there, there's no button in their computer system that says full coverage. So what people are referring to when they use that phrase full coverage in regard to car insurance, they're referring to a combination of coverages that help protect the vehicle and the driver or drivers. For example, many of us have what we call liability car insurance. And so we pay for the damage that's caused to another person or perhaps their property. For example, like their vehicle. 
And then, of course, we have other coverages that we may add on. We may tack on to our basic coverage and those coverages will help to repair our vehicle in the case of a car accident. And even if we didn't get in a car accident, there's even a, a coverage. I think it's called comprehensive coverage. Where if your car gets messed up from a tree trunk or something falling on it, that'll help that situation. And then there's many other things you can tack on to your basic plan, to your basic state required plan. For example, you have uninsured motorist coverage. Somebody who doesn't have any coverage hits you. And so you have coverage for that. And so there's all these things you can tack on. And it's hard to say that somebody will have full coverage to cover every single situation or that that will come out of every situation without having to pay a penny. So that's why when I went to these websites and, and researched this, that's why I saw some agreement where it says, okay, there's really no such thing as full coverage. And much of this information we find in in that small print, that small print that none of us or most of us really don't pay attention to. Small print talking about scenarios that are not as likely to happen as other scenarios. But now that we started with that earthly example of speaking of quote unquote full coverage car insurance. How about when it comes to spiritual things? What kind of coverage do we have? What does it look like? Is there any fine print that we need to be wary of? Are there any loopholes in the coverage that we have spiritually that we can find in the word of God? As we can find some of those loopholes or some companies can find or those loopholes in the coverages that they offer to customers. And so we're going to look in Romans 8 verses 31 to 39 and everyone should be there at this point. And so far we've covered some awesome things in Romans chapter 8 and I was talking to a brother and I said literally you can teach at least five lessons just based on Romans chapter 8. But tonight we're going to complete Romans 8 with three lessons. And our lesson tonight begins in 31 where it says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And so based on what we've read so far in our previous two lessons, we see that we have so many blessings and that there's so many spiritual truths that we have as Christians. Blessings and spiritual truths that work in our favor. So what shall we say to these things? In verse 32, it says, he who did not spare his own son, speaking of God, the father did not spare Jesus, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he, shall he not with him or along with him also freely give us all things or everything else? And so as we read that verse, 
as we ponder on it, as we park here, we come to the understanding that God has already given us his best. We're coming up, of course, upon the Christmas holiday and we celebrate the birth of our Savior. He became incarnated. He took upon a human body. And of course, like the rest of us, he began as a as a baby. And so he gave us the best gift possible in Jesus. So if God has already given us his best, why would he withhold anything else from us if he knows it's good for us? If he knows that it'll help us in our walk? If he knows that it's going to help us in our situation? Why would he withhold anything from us that he has promised to us if he has already given to us his very best in his son, Christ Jesus? In Psalm 84, verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is a son and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from the from those who walk uprightly. The Lord God is a son speaking of light. And we know that in the new Jerusalem in eternity, as it tells us in the book of Revelation, there will be no need of the sun nor of the moon because the glory of God is going to light up the place. In Psalm 84, 11 supports what is spoken of in Revelation 21. So whenever we begin to think that God is trying to keep back something from us, something that's good for us, something that's going to help us. Oh, God, you you don't want me to have fun. You don't want me to be successful. You want me to be miserable. Some of us have thought in the past. Maybe some people are thinking that right now. So if you're thinking that way or have thought that way, if you're tempted to think that way in the future, think of Jesus. When you begin to think that God is withholding something from you that's good. Remember that he already gave you his best. There's really nothing holding him back. From sharing anything else that's good for you, that's good for your walk, that's good for your Walk of victory for your success spiritually. Now, who shall bring a charge? Who shall bring an accusation against God's elect, against his chosen ones? And of course, chosen ones speak, speaks of his believers, his children. For it is God who justifies in verse 33. Verse 34, it says, who is he who condemns? In other words, who can say God's people are guilty and worthy of punishment? For it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession. He pleads for us, the believers, his followers. Of course, we know as we see those questions there, some of us, as it's asking those rhetorical questions, who shall bring a charge? 
Many of us have already thought of Satan. And you're correct because the scriptures tell us that that Satan does accuse God's people. And even accuses God's people in the presence of the Lord. In fact, in Revelation chapter 12, he is called the accuser of our brethren, the accuser of Christians, the accuser of believers. And you see that if you continue to read the scriptures, even starting with Job, even Revelation 12 in context, you'll you'll see that no Satan does not live in heaven. He doesn't dwell there. But he somehow, some way has access to heaven to accuse the saints before God night and day. Revelation 12 tells us. And this accusation, this access will be available to him. And many of us can understand that or why, but it'll continue until the midpoint of the tribulation. Till him and his, his demons are only going to be limited to the earth. And that's where things are really going to ramp up in the second half of the tribulation period. That last three and a half years, he's really going to ramp up and he's really going to go after the Jews and, and persecute them. And you see that again in context, Revelation chapter 12. So the midpoint of tribulation period, he's only going to be limited to the earth at that point. But as of now, he's at, he has access. He's accusing us before the Lord. And praise God because Jesus, it says in the scripture, is our advocate. He is our high priest. In other words, he is our lawyer. He pleads on our behalf. By the fact of his accomplishments and his presence alone, he is our representative. But I want you to get a picture of what these accusations sound like. When the enemy accuses us before the Lord. And so to find out what they sound like. I want you to turn to Job chapter 1. Verses 6 through 12. Now Job of course is an upright man. He feared God. He shunned evil. Didn't give in to evil. He was a rich man. He had sons and daughters. And it says in verse six, now there was a day when the sons of God, there it's referring to angels. They came to present themselves before the Lord and guess who else appeared? It says Satan also came among them and the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking back and forth on it. And that made me remind some of you of first Peter chapter five, verse eight, where it says that the enemy, the devil is like a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he wants to devour. He's going back and forth. He's looking to tear up some Christians. Some of us who are not on guard. In verse eight, it says, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God 
for nothing. In other words, there, there's a reason he fears you. And here's the reason that Satan gives. You have, have you not made a hedge around him? Around his household and around all that he has on every side. You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. He, he only serves you. He only praises you. He only, if you bring it to today, he only goes to church because you have protected his family. You have protected his possessions. You've blessed him with riches. Or her, if you bring it to today and make it applicable to each and every one of us. It's the only reason they, they serve you. I don't even know why you love them anyway, Satan would say. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of God, still accusing believers today. But again, we have an advocate and praise God for that. Now, although Satan and even people and included under people would be ourselves, we may accuse ourselves. We may condemn ourselves because we know the enemy does it. Other people may do it. And some may attempt to do that. But here's the thing, it will not be successful, those accusations, those charges against the believer, the condemnation thrown against the believer, the guilt, the the death sentence that some may throw out against us. It won't stand and it won't stand because we see the answers in verses 33 and 34. And the first one is Jesus paid the price for us to be forgiven. He took the penalty for our sins. He allowed God's wrath, the wrath of the father to be poured out upon him so that we will not have to suffer that. A second thing that we see here. And it gives us another reason why these accusations and thoughts of condemnations, words of condemnations hurled at us will not stand. And that's because Jesus is risen. If you go back to Romans chapter four, verse 25, it says, Jesus, that's what we're speaking about. Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses, because of our sins. And it says, and he was raised because of or for our justification. And so Jesus's resurrection, in other words, opened the door for our justification, for us to be declared righteous or to have a right standing with God. Because his resurrection reveals that his sacrifice was a good enough payment for God, the father, that it was adequate payment it's the perfect sacrifice a qualified sacrifice to die on behalf of all human beings and so his resurrection proved that the payment has been made the resurrection you heard me say it before is the receipt of that payment 
And therefore, God is able to justify the sinner who places his or her faith in Christ and becomes a saint. He's able to still be just. He's able to still be a God who does right. But also one who justifies the one who puts their faith in Christ. In other words, God did not compromise the fact that there must be a punishment for sin. He didn't compromise that. Because Jesus took that for us. He didn't compromise that. And so those of us who are in Christ... If we are in Christ, then we are declared righteous, no longer guilty, no longer headed for eternal separation from God in hell. God is the one who justifies. In other words, the one who is offended is the one who clears us of all charges. So how can anyone bring a charge against a believer If the one who's offended, the one who's a judge says, no, (laughs) they're not guilty. In fact, not only are they not guilty and forgiven, but also in a positive way, the righteousness of Christ is imputed into their account. So you have a couple things going on in justification. Forgiveness of sins. In other words, guilt removed. And at the same time, us being declared righteous as if we never sinned. Because we're operating on good credit. Good credit that comes from Christ alone. The only one who lived the perfect life was a perfect sacrifice and who was raised from the dead. And so that's the second reason why those, why those charges or accusations and that condemnation will not stand up in the sight of God against the believer to be specific. A third reason they won't stand is Because Jesus is in a position of honor. The right hand of God the Father is the position of honor. That's what it means by the right hand. And the fact that he's at the right hand of the Father. is proof that God is pleased with Jesus. As a matter of fact all throughout Jesus' life. You never heard that God the Father was not pleased with him. In fact, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He did that at the baptism and he did that on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the fact that he's on the right hand of the father in heaven right now is proof that, yes, he's still pleased with him. And if Jesus is honored. If God is pleased with him, then what does that say about those of us who are in Christ? The scriptures tell us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. If anyone comes to God, you have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the first way we please God, the father is through our faith, specifically the point of salvation, faith in Christ. And so if Jesus pleases the father and is in a place of honor, we're in him. Then guess what? Those accusations, those those words of condemnation will not stand in the sight of God. And the fourth thing is that Jesus is making intercession for us. We already talked about that. He is our representative. And so with him as our representative, we will never lose a case. We're innocent. And that's the end of that story. 
There's no but if to it. No, you're declared innocent. You're not guilty. You're no longer deserving of hell as a believer. You're declared righteous in the sight of God. Case closed. And as long as he lives, which is for eternity, that's going to be the case. In verses 35 and 36, back in Romans 8, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, which speaks of affliction. How about distress or anguish or pain that we experience in this life? Or what about persecution? People don't like us because we align ourselves with Christ. So they harass us and beat some Christians, throw some Christians in jail, and some have even died physically already because of persecution. Will that separate us from the love of Christ? Or how about famine or which is hunger or nakedness or peril or sword? There's that violent death there where it speaks of sword. So those things separate us from the love of Christ. And to be clear, it's not talking about your love for Christ. It's talking about his love for us. That's what it's talking about. None of those things will separate us from the love of Christ. As it is written for your sake, for God's sake, we are killed all day long or every day. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, which is a quote from Psalm 44 verse 22. Because we are aligned ourselves with God, because we are children of God. Then we are in a position of, of being in danger every day. The moment we said yes to Jesus, we also said yes without even knowing it to spiritual warfare. You gain some enemies, whether you know it or not. If you didn't know, you know today. We gain some spiritual enemies. That's what happens when we say, I do. To Jesus and yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. In other words the overwhelming victory is ours. We are super conquerors. That's what it means by more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. Now there's some people who write books. About the keys to a successful life. Keys to a victorious life spiritually. People write books about this. Sports analysts create keys to victory when two teams are about to play each other. These are keys of victory for this team and keys of victory for this team. Business books, business magazines. These are the keys of victories to or, or the, the, the keys to becoming a millionaire, billionaire, whatever the case is. Keys. Never just one. And they never last. But for our spiritual lives, as we see in verse 37, we only need one key. And that is with a capital K. We only need one key to victory. And that is Jesus. Because notice that it says, yet in all these things, we're more than conquerors. Not through Durrell. Not through me, myself, and I. But through him who loved us. Talking about. Jesus is talking about God. Jesus is the key to our victory over the enemy. 
He's the key to victory over the world and over the, the things some of us lust after in this world. And the things of this world are of the enemy. Speaking of the world system, because remember the scripture says that the devil, that Satan, the devil, he has sway over the whole world. It's the ruler, lowercase r, of this world because he is the influencer. That's why as believers, we say that we are not of this world. We're not a part of this world system. The devil is not our father any longer. We don't belong to his kingdom any longer because of faith in Christ. We have transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And so Jesus is the key to victory over the enemy, over the world, over death. Just one key to victory. And he's made us overwhelming conquerors. More than conquerors. In fact, and you may have heard this before. We, we start from a position of conquering. We start from a position of victory. Because Christ is the victor. Because he already won the battle. And when we align ourselves with him, we start from a position of victory. And as we live, as we go through life, as we have different experiences, my prayer is that we would experience more victory as we go through sanctification, victory over our sin nature, victory over sin, victory over those things that stumbled us. See, this God that we serve is he's an over and above God. Because it could have just said that we're conquerors, that we're winners, but no more than and if we study the scriptures, we, we understand what I, what I mean when I say that we serve an over and above God. Because when you read the scriptures, he, he just doesn't do what we ask or think. But the scripture says he does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And, and Jesus didn't say that, oh, I give you life. But he talks about abundant life. We serve and over and above God. So we can't just be conquerors. We we're more than conquerors. And I didn't say that you may not believe it, but that's what the word of God says. And I'm going to trust the word of God over my feelings, over what somebody else tells me over what the enemy tells me. I'm going to trust that I am more than a conqueror because God says so in verses 38 and 39, it says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities and those are uh, demonic spirits who rules or heavenly rulers nor powers. That's also referring to um, uh, spiritual authorities. There's these various um, rankings of rulership in the demonic world. Nor things present nor things to come. Thirty nine nor height nor death nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us believers from the love of God, which is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, what I want to do is get like a, 
uh, a metaphorical magnifying glass. And what I want to do is take a closer look at our coverage. Now that we finish chapter 8, I want to take a look at our coverage plan that we as believers have from God. And some of us who are here from for the other studies, we, we kind of are putting all of this together. But just from tonight, we can come to that conclusion that, yeah, we are more than conquerors. Maybe I didn't believe that before I walked through those doors. But right about now, Darrell, I'm pumped up. I'm more than a conqueror. I can go to the gym, Darrell, right now and throw up 300 pounds of weight because I'm more than a conqueror. So you guys are feeling like Superman or Superwoman women right now. And spiritually in Christ, we, we should. And as we look at the details with this metaphorical magnifying glass here, what we have is true full coverage, a full coverage plan that comes from God himself. And it's against, it's against the conflict that we experience as believers. And some of this conflict is internal. It comes from within us, even in our own minds and hearts. Matter of fact, the Bible says that even our hearts are deceitful. Jeremiah 17, 9. Our hearts are desperately wicked. And if our minds are not focusing on the right things, then, oh, yeah, we got a tough battle that comes from within. But of course, we know the battle that comes from without, on the outside of us. And, and this full coverage plan that we have from God helps us to overcome those different types of conflict. And one part of our spiritual coverage plan is the fact that we have no condemnation. Going back to chapter 8, verse 1. And this have uh, this no condemnation that we have that we don't have really it protects us against guilt and punishment or any charges anyone may bring against us in our coverage plan we have the holy spirit who indwells us if we read carefully if we go back in the previous studies we know that we have the indwelling of the holy spirit to empower us to live a holy life, to mold us into the image of Jesus. I'm talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that part of our coverage plan protects us against powerlessness. So now we don't have to live life on our own, trying to keep laws on our own, trying to be like Christ on our own. But we have power from the indwelling Holy Spirit. We also, in verse 11 of chapter 8, another feature is that we have the promise of resurrection and the promise of resurrection protects us against hopelessness because we have that hope and and this hope that we have is a joyful and confident expectation of coming good that God is going to fulfill that promise of giving us resurrected bodies another feature that we see in chapter 8 of this full coverage plan is that we are born, first of all, into the family of God by faith in Christ. You can read about that in John chapter one. But also we are adopted as sons in the family of God. So what do I mean by that? I mean that, yes, we're born into the family of God through faith in Christ. 
But also we're given a position. We are given a position as adult sons. Giving us the eligibility of having the privilege of receiving the inheritance. And us being born again and being adopted into the family of God as sons. It protects us from being fatherless. We also see that we are heirs of God and joint or co-heirs with Christ. In verse 17, and that protects us against eternal poverty. Oh, many of us are maybe not rich in material things right now, but if you have Christ, you are rich spiritually. You are an heir of God as his child and you are a joint heir with Christ. So whatever Christ inherits, you you get to share in that. That's what a co-heir is. Another feature is that the spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our prayer life. The scriptures talks about us being weak at times and we don't know what to pray for. And so when the spirit intercedes on our behalf, it protects us against our weaknesses, against us being frustrated from not knowing what to pray for. And the good news about the Holy Spirit praying for us is is that God understands the intercessory prayers of the Holy Spirit. Although those groanings are inexpressible. And on top of that, the Holy Spirit prays according to the will of the Father. And so these are some nice features so far that we have in our spiritual coverage plan, which is a full, a true full coverage plan. Scriptures also tell us in many of your favorite scripture in 828 that that God works all things together for good. For those of us who love God and who are the called according to God's purpose. And that feature in this insurance plan, this coverage plan. That feature protects us against bitterness. And if you don't believe that, you can ask Joseph in the Old Testament where he had every reason to be upset and bitter against his brothers who sold him. But you know what he said in Genesis 50 after his father died and his brothers thought that Joseph was going to get back at them. And so they're like, oh, man, we're sorry about all that. It was like, no, you, you meant it for evil. You meant it for evil, but but God meant it for good. God had different intentions for what you were doing. He allowed you to use your free will to do evil against me. But God, who is sovereign, he was working out something far better. And so that that Romans 8, 28, God working all things together for good for the believer protects us against bitterness because we understand that, hey, this situation may be bad. It may not be in my favor right now. But guess what? Somehow, some way it's going to work together For my good. And then also in this plan, we see this unbroken chain of salvation. And it begins, of course, with the foreknowledge of God. God knows who he chose. And he also knows at the same time who's going to choose him before they even do it. And so God knows who's going to be in a relationship with him. He knew that from eternity before time even began. And so in this unbroken chain of salvation, we were foreknown by God and then predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And then we are we were called to salvation. And after responding to that call, when we repented and put our faith in Christ, the scriptures say in, in Romans 
chapter 8, that we are justified by God. And those who are justified are glorified. Although glorified, glorification is still future for us. God sees it as a sure thing. To the point that he adds an ED to that word. Past tense, glorified. Future to us, but to God. He's going to carry this thing through. And so that feature of the unbroken chain of our salvation protects us against fear of losing our salvation. And that is for the true believer. Another feature is that God will not withhold any good thing from us. And that, of course, protects us against those false thoughts of of, of God's lack of concern for us. And then we see the other feature, how Jesus makes intercession for us. This is a this is a rich chapter if you're not picking up on that yet. This is truly full coverage for us spiritually. And by Jesus making intercession for us, it protects us from the lack of our own credentials to represent ourselves. We don't have the credit. We don't have the credentials to represent ourselves. We have not passed the spiritual bar exam to represent ourselves and declare ourselves not guilty. No, we need an advocate. And that advocate is Jesus. We talked about that earlier. Another part of this plan, a major part of this full coverage plan is the love of God. And of course, the love of God protects us from the wrath of the father. In John chapter three, verse 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We are saved or protected from God's wrath because by nature as Ephesians chapter 2 I believe tells us we are children of wrath that is by nature but because of God's love to the point that he was sin his only begotten son the greatest gift then guess what we are protected from his wrath that's a that's an awesome feature in this full coverage plan and as we read the scriptures tonight We see that the apostle Paul, even he threw out different scenarios of what would possibly separate us from God's love for us. But what it comes down to as I, as I sum it up is, is that the apostle Paul suggests that no person or no challenge in our lives can separate us from the love of Christ. Not life, not, not death, nor angels, nor, nor demons or anything in the spiritual realm. Nothing in the present time that you can think of. Nothing in the future that you possibly can draw up or, or think about. There is nothing that is high enough. That is nothing that is, that is low enough. That is nothing that has been created or will be created that can separate us from the love of God. And what is created, anything in space or or time, any matter, anything that is created, things invisible or visible. I don't care. You can name it. If it's created, nothing will be able to separate us from God's love for us. That's Bible. That's scriptural. That's a part of your full coverage plan from God. And this type of love, Ephesians tell us, it, it passes all knowledge. We can't even fully comprehend this. 
And I like the fact that the, the Holy Spirit through Paul lists all these different scenarios with, with these uh, persecutions and all these things. These afflictions. Well, well, all these things separate us from that because we can look at all those things that happen in our lives and somehow think that, that God has stopped loving us. So praise God that the Holy Spirit through Paul had this written down. That although you're going through a tough time and you're going through tribulation and persecutions and, and all these different things, distress, that none of those things can separate us from God's love. And you know when people are questioning God's love because they start their question with, why would God... And you can fill in the blank. And, and that's an indication that people are questioning either God's character or his love. But the apostle Paul is persuaded that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. But the question I have tonight, because this is not about the apostle Paul. It's about us. Are we persuaded? Are we fully convinced that there's nothing, no one that could separate us from God's love? And as we take all of this in, what we can do is echo what we see in the first part of Romans 8.31. Because if we look at the first part of that verse of Romans 8.31, it says, what shall we say to these things? We read the full coverage. We didn't see any fine print. We didn't see any hidden fees in there. We didn't see any loopholes there. It's all laid out before us. What shall we say to all of these awesome things? In other words, it's a question that shows that I'm, I'm speechless. Is there anybody who's speechless tonight when you see all that you have in Christ? When, when you see the awesomeness of this full coverage plan that we have from God, is there anybody who is speechless? Because as we, as we read this, the only conclusion that we can come to is in the second half of Romans 8.31. The conclusion is that God is clearly for us. I don't know who told you what, that he's not. That he's not for you. That God doesn't love you enough. I don't know who told you that. But when you read all of this, this is the conclusion that we come to. He's clearly for us. And if he's for us, the scripture says, who could be against us? In other words, who could be against us and be successful as the worship team comes up? So maybe there's somebody on the verge of, of giving up tonight. Or maybe you're on the verge of, of stop. Coming to church because you're not getting anything out of it. I don't, I don't feel God. I don't, I don't, I don't feel the chills like I used to. I don't get the bubbly stomach the way I used to. So maybe some are on the verge or maybe are depressed at this time or stressed out or maybe there's a feeling of, of being Overwhelmed. If we're relying on our feelings, we're relying on what 
the enemy is telling us. Which is why we need to have on the full armor of God every day. We need to take up that shield of faith and quench the fiery darts of the enemy. We need to have the sword of the spirit. To where we have a timely word. To come at the enemy with. When he spits a lie at us. Just like Jesus did in temptation. He had a timely word. Sword of the spirit. So if you're on the verge of feeling that way. Giving up. Being overwhelmed. Depressed. Maybe you don't feel like more than a conqueror tonight. My encouragement to you is to, is to go back home and review Romans chapter 8 again. Review it again. It's not written by, this is not some man's idea. This is from heaven to us. This is God's view. I'm not going to sit up here and lie and say, I always feel victorious I always feel more than a conqueror no I don't always feel that way I don't always feel forgiven your feelings will lie to you my feelings will lie to me so go back to that full coverage plan and all of these things they're they're effective for us Because of Jesus. And that's who we have our minds on tonight as we enter into the communion part of service. And obviously, if you're new or visiting, we do it a little differently from Sundays. We don't have any ushers bringing around the the elements. And so I just want to encourage you before I invite you to um, take the elements um, back to your seats. And we have some up in front and some at the back there um, of the sanctuary. I just want to remind you that communion is a, is a time of, of course, reverence. So we're talking about a holy God. It's a time of examination. where We ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us if there's any sin in our lives. And if there is, we confess and repent. It's a time of of gratitude. Thankful for the sacrifice. It's a time of remembrance. As Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. When you partake of that bread and that that juice representing the blood. So keep those things in mind. And as you feel led, feel free to come get the elements either from the front or back. Take them back to your seats and pray and You know, just partake on your own. Other than that, thank you all for coming out. Thank you for your attentiveness, your prayers. And be safe. I I thought it was supposed to rain sometime soon, but if it does, be safe. Amen. God bless you and we love you.
up from the dead Oh, praise the one who paid my debt And raised his life up from the dead Yes, Lord, we give you praise We honor you God, we have that full coverage policy, Lord I just thank you for that picture Lord, we are in good hands Lord, we thank you that what you said in your word will come to pass. And so help us to have faith. Help us to trust. Give us that discipline to be in your word and in prayer every day so that we can be strong. Help us to crucify our flesh and to abide in you, to walk in the power of your spirit, to be led by you. Send us out in victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.